Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. We are coming to you on a Thursday afternoon because we have big news. Butch Jones, intern Butch Jones, is staying in Alabama. God, jeez. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, no, of course, the, you, the massive news out of Tuscaloosa on Wednesday. We find out Jalen Hurts, uh, via a Players' Tribune piece, is transferring to Oklahoma, the place that we said makes the most sense for him. Um, we, we find out that uh, he, he is ultimately going to pick the place that had no odds uh, as of a day before he makes this announcement. We're going to get to that later. We're going to talk... Uh, his Heisman odds. We're going to talk about uh, how Vegas was so horribly wrong about all of this, um, what it means just for, for Oklahoma. We're going to rank high-profile transfer QBs in order of most likely to succeed. And we're also going to relive the top five Jalen Hurts moments. And then we're going to end with some over-unders. So we have a lot to get to. There's a lot to break down with this. We're going to sing a very thoughtful goodbye to him, him. as well. Um there's going to be a hymn would be great. There's going to be some tears. Maybe, no, though. Not. We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get you to cry. We'll see. So yesterday, I was sitting at, um, I was we were having uh, the car uh, updated, one car household. Uh, we were having, um, you know, updates put on our car because there's a recall for Kia, and I'm sitting at the dealership for like four hours or whatever. And so I was just sitting on Twitter, and I was, you know, working and stuff. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts' tweet comes up. And I don't know if I've ever clicked on something so fast. Like, you know when it comes up on TweetDeck and you're just like, boom, boom, boom. Got to see exactly what this is. Yeah. So I did that. And you're reading it. You're reading it. Jalen Hurts bikini <laughs> picks. Boom. On it. Like, let's do this. Don't even have to think about it. And he doesn't even mention Oklahoma until the second to last graph. And before, like, I clicked on it thinking, okay. Did you call yeah, it that's graph? What that's what you say in the biz. The journalism biz. You'll get that. That's not a that's not a no no that's not a Hawaiian Sick. thing that's not a Californian thing no, um, and so we've everybody has this reaction of Jalen Hurts makes the the decision that we thought many thought he should and that you're going to get a chance to follow two Heisman right. Trophy winners at Oklahoma you're going to get a chance to play for Lincoln Riley we've already talked about the the benefits of that. But the reaction to this was overwhelmingly positive, and I'm, that was my reaction at least. And what was your initial reaction to seeing this news drop? I mean, he's a quitter, and I hate <laughs> that he would leave like that. When he had the chance to play in at least four games, meaningful games last year. No, I'm kidding. I mean, what what I said to my buddy who's a big Bama fan, like because there were there were like old school Bama fans, like older Bama fans. We're already saying stuff like, you know, he left the team, man. He quit. And it's like, again, we're doing this again. Um, for me, I think he's going to go down as one of the most underappreciated. And I know how his, his uh, like, how they react to him now to the SC Championship game. So say he's going to go down as one of the most underrated and underappreciated players in Bama history. But good for him. He needed to go. I'm glad he went to the best spot where he, could, I think, get the most long-term success. Um as we find out, Lincoln Riley's wandering eyes tweet actually did mean something. So I'm glad I didn't spend. Yeah, I'm glad eyes. I didn't spend 15 minutes looking at that tweet, going, "What, what does he mean? What does he mean?" Um, so yeah, interestingly enough, this is actually Lincoln Riley's first hand plucked quarterback. If you think about it, that's going to start for him. Because think about it, Baker Mayfield oh, yeah. was there by the time he took over as head coach. Kyler Murray was also there by the time that he took over as head coach. I thinking about that. 
and thinking about the, the dynamic of, of what Lincoln Riley looks for in a quarterback, obviously the skill set is there, and he has seen it to where otherwise he wouldn't have gone out of his way to make sure that he gets an emergency last-minute visit for Jalen Hurts on yeah. campus to get him in there to kind of basically, like I said, sitting in his mahogany chair going, hey, you want to make oh, it three? The hat trick now is very real. And we want to get out, I want to get to the Heisman odds right. in a minute here, but just a couple of things that I, that I picked up on that I thought was entertaining just from the reaction itself. I saw some Miami fans who definitely didn't read the Players Tribune story and just tweeted Miami gifts in response to Jalen Hurts' tweet of the Players oh Tribune story. And it was like celebratory and it was so oh, really? funny. Because clearly they didn't Did read Tate it. Tate Martell announced before Jalen, didn't he? Yeah, but Tate Martell is still, it's murky as to whether or not he's going to be able to play in 2019. So you could still have the possibility. Tate Murkiel, boom, nailed it. Let's do this. Goodness gracious. Um, Hold on, real quick. Um... The Jalen stuff, when he announced that he was leaving, the, one of the first things I did have a reaction to was, Lincoln Riley is like the Big 12 Gus Malzahn. Oh, that's not nice to Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's a lot better of a coach than Gus Malzahn, I would assume, especially big game coach. But um, the fact that this is his third straight year getting a transfer quarterback, he hasn't had somebody he's had to like bring in, groom, recruit, all that kind of stuff. I mean, granted, they haven't been kicked out of other schools, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I mean... He's he's kind of like he's a more likable Gus Malzahn. People forget that Lincoln Riley is only doing what he's doing because Oklahoma fired Josh Heupel. How yeah. quickly we forget that. Um, and we're actually going to bring up Josh Heupel a little bit later in the graduate transfer quarterback discussion uh, when it comes I'm to not, Brandon Wimbush. Yeah, I will bring that up. Um, but so we 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 see that that Jalen Hurts is able to to go about this in in such a mature way and shameless plug. That's what I wrote about. Yeah. The fact that he was an adult throughout this whole process. If you think about it, he basically gave away Alabama a year of his eligibility just to say, like, hey, I'll add depth. I'll do whatever it takes. And people are wondering, is he going to do the team thing? Is he going to look out for himself? And in the end, he gives Alabama that year of eligibility, which he did not have to do. Let's let's remember, he could have decided, I yeah. want two years of eligibility left. I'm going to sit yeah. out this season and have two years of immediate eligibility. He did not have to do that. And Alabama fans owe him a great deal of gratitude because they don't win that SEC championship if he doesn't play, obviously, and doesn't come into that game and do what he did. And we'll get to that later with, with the moment stuff. But well, I don't disagree fully with that sentence because it was a very selfless thing to do. But let's also be realistic. He gained... I think a lot more, like he gained a lot more from staying at Alabama this year than he would have ever gained if he left. There's, Not just from the, the public perception, but fair. also from a talent standpoint and the, the competition. I mean, you know, iron sharp, sharpens iron, man. That's what they always say, I think. Is that a thing? Um, but no, seriously, like I think he gained a lot from it. And you saw it a little bit in the, the SEC championship game. He looked like a better passer, looked a lot more improved. So I think he also gained a lot from it. Yeah, working with Danny Enos, the development was the significant thing that you saw out yeah. of Jalen Hurts. And who knows, maybe if he isn't developed and doing what he did late down the stretch as a passer, maybe Lincoln Riley's like, you know what, I don't even want to work with you. Like, yeah, you're a great yeah. skill set, and I understand why Jalen Hurts would want to go work with Lincoln Riley, but maybe that relationship isn't, there isn't that back and forth. Yeah. I mean, and Jalen's 6'2", so like, why would he <laughs> recruit a quarterback that tall? 
Jalen Hurts, the All tallest right, quarterback that Lincoln Riley gets to work with so far. So that's uh, that's a title that he gets to have. So now everybody's okay. going to be talking about whether or not Jalen Hurts can can have this this hat trick for Lincoln Riley, this unbelievable accomplishment, and build on that. And the Heisman odds have changed. Originally, Jalen Hurts, before we even knew where he was going, was crazy. was twelve to one, and now now that he's going to Oklahoma, the odds have changed. From from twelve to one down to nine to one, that changed almost immediately, didn't it? It changed almost immediately, and he was he has the third best odds in the entire country. I kind of agree with it, and here's yeah. why: because it's not just as simple as Jalen Hurts is going to play for Oklahoma. That's the big headline. He's going to step into this Heisman factory that Lincoln Riley is building at the quarterback right. position. But think about this: he's got Ceedee Lamb coming back. He's got three of his top four pass catchers coming back. He's got one of the best one-two punches in terms of a running back duo in the country. He's got two guys in Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon that combined for 2,000 rushing yards and 25 touchdowns last year. And, oh, by the way, T.J. Pledger is like the third stringer, a guy who was a stud at IMG, and it's just like kind of waiting in the wings there. And Jalen Hurts gets and, to face Big 12 defenses. And that's the biggest thing. We talked about this before the Heisman um, when I went on the soapbox like trying to defend Tua's, like, not really his numbers versus Kyler, but kind of, I guess, because – you know, we talked about the last five games of the year where Kyler picked up steam and won the Heisman. And I think, again, he had very deserving numbers, but he didn't face a, a defense ranked in the top 86 in the country in the last five games. Well, Texas I mean, was 57, and then, yeah, that. Yeah, outside game. of that's fair enough. So, outside of that, when you're playing Kansas and like your defense has given up 40 points a game in the last five games of the season, that is. Not like I mean that's that's not ideal for your team. That's really ideal for a quarterback that wants to put up some numbers. He's gonna have a great chance, man. He's gonna have a great chance to be able to win the Heisman. And I think also we did talk about this the other day about the Heisman, and we we kind of glossed over the fact that like Fromm, like I, I said before last year, I thought Fromm had a really good chance for Georgia. But the problem with Georgia, and this is something I don't think that Jalen's gonna have a problem with, is he's gonna have other guys taken away from him, right? With Swift and Zamir White and and those kind of guys. Um, Jalen's he will be the focal point of that offense he will and you bring up a good point too with the with with the, the defenses that he's playing with keep in mind that Jalen Hurts when he was the starter those 2016-2017 Bama teams had great defenses they dominated yeah. teams and now you're in a situation where you're gonna have to put up some big numbers because that Oklahoma defense is not gonna slow a whole lot of teams down so in terms of just staying in games and having to have four quarters where yeah I mean it's a it's a 42 to 38 game and you're going to have to put up right. five touchdown passes and 400 passing yards those those opportunities are going to be more plentiful i think for jalen hurts in that system well it's like the sec championship game and it's like all right jalen we're down 28 21 need you to go out here and score two touchdowns you know to give us a win it's the same kind of thing but it'll be happening in like the first and second quarter it's like we really need you to come back man really need you to come back so. And now with the Heisman, everybody's pointing to this. Everybody pointed, of course, to us. I think it's Stuart Mandel who threw out the hypothetical playoff scenario where you have Ohio oh, State yeah. facing Georgia, so you'd have Justin Fields against Jake Fromm, and then if you had Alabama against Oklahoma with two against Jalen. And if you – obviously, that's like a very hypothetical thing, and we would love to see any of those matchups. That hypothetical. Very hypothetical. Let's but, everyone take a – if you overreacted to that, let's all take a second to Google hypothetical. So when Clemson fans lose their mind – or Tennessee and Auburn fans lose their mind about that tweet. They're like, oh, I guess we're going to leave Clemson out of the playoff. But here's the thing. Those are those are probably going to be four of the top five teams in the country. Without a doubt. <laughs> With the exception Without of the favorite doubt. Clemson. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the irony. And then, of course... What, what what just imagine a Heisman ceremony that features 
both Jalen and Tua. I mean, I think there Robert. is a perfectly, perfectly realistic chance of that happening, considering that, yeah. remember that Baker Mayfield, while he won the Heisman in 2017, he got to New York the two previous years. And even if you're just getting to New York, I would love to see that 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 argument back and forth. That'd be a fun one to have. I know I know people are probably sick of how much we've talked about Tua and Jalen, but it really is one of the just kind of an unprecedented storyline in this era yeah. of grad transfer quarterbacks, the way that this market has has developed in this dynamic where I think I saw some I can't remember who tweeted this out, but like Jalen Hurts is the first quarterback to ever start and lead his team to consecutive national championships or to right. lead his team to a national championship win technically because he gets credit for the win in that 2017 game and oh, yeah. and then transfer and you know after that point well, and and to that point one if they get to the heisman what i'm looking forward to most is remember that awkward awkward hug that tua and kyler had i like the awards everybody i love yeah. awkward hugs so i'm really yes of course so <laughs> i i hope i hope we get something like that i i really hope we i mean like that kind of awkward hug like i you know, I get I get freaked out about handshakes. Like, are we doing the fist bump? Are we doing the handshake? Am I going to end up going into like an awkward paper beats rock, very like awkward fist engulfing? Whatever. If Jalen and Tua get to the Heisman, that will be very interesting to watch. I think it'll be fun. But what he also has in his back pocket, and I know this is something that Bama fans ignorantly said before the start of last season, and that was, yeah, he can get you the national championship game, but he couldn't win it. Whatever. That is something that as great as Lincoln Riley has been and as great as like the, the stats that like the quarterbacks have been able to put up and win Heisman and stuff like that, as the best player in college football, one thing they haven't been able to do, even though they've made the playoff, I guess what, three years in a row now, mm-hmm. they have not been able to get to the national championship, let alone win it. So for him to have that in his back pocket, like this is my third straight year of going to the national championship game. I have that kind of experience. And he already has a, a he's a great leader and and you know, always stays calm. Just wish he wouldn't have quit. That's all. It's whatever. <laughs> Three of the last four years, by the way, for Oklahoma in the playoff, they missed yeah. out in 2016. Um, they had that oh, regular yeah, right. season where they lost to Houston and Ohio State, and then I think they won out, and then they still made a new. Well, year's I mean, Lincoln's been there for only for two years, so like you know. But as, he's been in the Army, offensive so. coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Was the offensive coordinator before that? Was the offensive coordinator with Baker Mayfield? That's why the move makes made so much sense for Bob yeah. Stoops to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to turn it over to this guy who I think is really capable of running this thing, and sure enough, that's that's what he's been able to do. So, Uncle Chris, I've got to ask you this because this. This is the Dude. thing in this that I can't figure out. It, it yeah. boggles my mind. And we talked about this a little bit the other day. I don't know how Vegas got this so horribly wrong. I have no idea. Bet Online comes out with these these odds. And, you know, I, I'm still learning about the, the process of intriguing bets to make. And in terms of, yeah. like, that's why Nick Saban is, has odds to be the next Cleveland Browns head coach, even though he's, right. you know, he wasn't going to be. But a day before Jalen Hurts makes this announcement, the odds were, if you, in case you forgot what these odds were, this is from Bet Online. Maryland was minus 200. Miami was plus 400. TCU plus 500. Auburn plus 1,000. And Houston plus 1,000. Oklahoma wasn't even listed with odds. And well, so I don't get that. makes sense because they were listed before at plus 2,000. And then he takes a visit to Oklahoma. And then they That's take outrageous. Off. Like plus two thousand. So if you put down ten dollars, guys, ten dollars, you win two hundred. If you put down a hundred dollars, you win two grand. That is outrageous that they couldn't have had the foresight to see that. And what 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 is like the most I don't want to say concerning but surprising to me is when you take Oklahoma off the board, knowing that he visited there, 
right? Yeah. And and the Lincoln Riley tweet. You at least want to have the odds. Why in the hell? I get the Maryland thing moving down to minus 200 because that's going to get a lot of action. It's going to get a lot of action if you're trying to get as many bets as possible. Okay. I get that. However, when you take Oklahoma off the board and you move, well, I mean, maybe it was a smart move because then nobody could bet on it. Uh, maybe, but all of a sudden, like, everybody kind of looked at that, and then we treated this as, okay, well, Miami and Maryland are the two schools that he visited, so therefore right. this is really between them. But then, you know, and, and then when you see it, it looks like Maryland's going to be the favorite, but I kept thinking about this, and I get the Michael Oxley connection. I, I really do. Yeah. I followed Maryland because I write for a Big Ten site. Maryland yeah. hasn't kept a quarter. They're in the Big Ten now. Yeah, yeah. Way oh, to get, man. way to get with the times and, and keep with the, the landscape of college football. Maryland has not kept a quarterback healthy since Nam. There is no way that Jalen Hurts is going reference. to stay healthy in that system if that's where he wanted to go. I understand the, the yeah. path to playing, but this this goes and Maryland and Houston are are part of this too. And this this discussion that we had about going all the way back to his dad's quote last year that Matt Hayes had in the Bleacher Report story where he's saying that his son is going to be the greatest or he's going to be the biggest yeah. free agent in the history of college football. Do we really think the biggest free agent in, uh, the biggest free agent in the history of college football is going to Maryland or Houston? That didn't make well, any I sense. Well, I think Maryland makes sense, though. Again, like, again, we talked about this before. Like, Maryland and Miami make sense because you have a direct relationship with a coach that's going there, Loxley and, and Enos. I get those two. What, dev- what never made sense to me was Houston. That is purely based on the fact that like, he's from Texas. All right, let's throw in Dana Houston. Dana Holgerson. What, I mean, whatever. I mean, like, yeah. but they already have they already have Derek King or Derek King, however you say his name. I mean, like, and he has another year of eligibility. Jalen was not going to go to a place where there wasn't a guaranteed spot, I think, carved out where it's like, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to compete and all that stuff. It's not going to be handed to a silver platter. He's not going to go. That's why he wasn't going to go to Florida, which I thought was a great option with Mullen. Right, and why was the Auburn thing is just mind blowing to me, though. Okay, so real quick on on Houston before we get to the Auburn thing, um, why would he go to a Group of Five school that you could have you could throw for a billion yards like Case Keenum did back no in the cares. day, and nobody cares? It's At just all. not a big deal. So to, to me, that that didn't make you know we talked. I threw out Texas Tech because of the you know the the Patrick Mahomes thing and how yeah. that narrative has changed. Obviously, with Cliff Kingsbury changing kind of the the narrative of how we view that in terms of an NFL. Uh, prospect. Well, Holgerson's going to throw the ball a thousand times a game. Right. I totally understand that. But yeah, like you said, like they're not going to take it as seriously because he's not going to be playing against like the best competition. Exactly. And this is already a kid that, keep in mind, this is a kid that already has a lot of film already out. And I know he's, I think he's definitely developed. He's become a better passer, all that good stuff. And I think the narrative and the perception of him nationally has definitely changed from this past season. And it's great. But like, if you go to Houston, that's not going to necessarily help in that offense, especially because right. he's not really throwing the ball downfield. And again, they already have one of the better, more electric, mm-hmm. athletic quarterbacks in the country. So let's get back to Vegas. <laughs> Figure it out, Vegas. Let's get back Figure to the Auburn out. thing because we find this out uh I think it was Mark Zenitz. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he breaks a lot of news. He does really good stuff for AL.com. Yeah. Uh, reports that. Gus Malzahn made a late push uh, to try and land Jalen Hurts in the final in the final week of this whole thing, and I had Mark Torrance, maybe I'm not sure. Mark Burnett, no, I think it was Zenitz, but that's neither here nor okay. there. It was oh, AL.com. Right. Yeah. Um, so the important thing here is that Gus Malzahn made a push to try and get Jalen Hurts, 
And I threw out there the hypothetical a couple months ago when I did the story of who will be starting quarterback for each SEC team. And I had Jalen Hurts as, as Auburn. And as I looked at that, I realized since then that that was that was dumb, and I talked myself out of that idea because oh, of good, yeah. all of the necessary rebranding stuff that we talked about with Oklahoma and wanting yeah. to not just go to a place where you're going to run the ball a billion times. So to me, th- this that's that's why Auburn wasn't wasn't going to get a visit. It's not even so much the whole like oh Jalen doesn't want to face an SEC team or or whatever and or deal with all those hurdles. When we find out that apparently there was there was rumors out there that Jalen wanted to go to a, uh, a school that could potentially face Alabama in the playoff. So there was that whole thing that was thrown out there. I don't yeah. know how, how much truth there is to that. But the Auburn thing didn't make nearly as much sense as what we thought it would maybe when we were looking at this situation a few months ago. So I think the the main issue with you, and you made a really good point, probably the best point about this in terms of why this was not ever a good fit. And it goes back to a little bit of what I've said about Jalen. And if you're trying to improve your pro prospects of getting to the NFL, hell, go to Oklahoma, one, how many number one overall draft picks have they had? First off. Second off, if you go to Auburn, the point you made a couple weeks ago, and this is before the Mississippi State thing you said. Um, (laughs) Let me just make sure before I give you a cup, I'm going to build you up and break you down. No, but it's like one of the points you made was, Gus Malzahn is in a win-now situation at Auburn, where the most important thing for him is, yeah, the program, the future of it. I think that Bo Nix is ultimately long-term going to be like the best fit in that offense. However, the, the most important thing for him right now is win-now. So Jalen, love you, great quarterback. That my, my most important interest, and it's, you know, it kind of goes without saying, is you want, you want the team to win. That's your first priority. Way down on that list for for Gus Malzahn would have been trying to help Jalen improve his draft stock. Exactly, and that's that's the difference, obviously, between that situation and the one that he's going to be having at Oklahoma. Right. All right. We've got you. You've got your best friend, Texas Pete. OTP. You've got to tell us about them because I know. And these past couple days, as you're drowning your sorrows in, in, in comfort food, what are you just talking about? Dealing, dealing with the loss of Jalen Hurts is what I'm trying to say. Okay. I know that you don't need an excuse to have some comfort food to have some comfort food and to put some Texas Pete on it. I mean, also unnecessary to say, but yes, thank you for, for prefacing it that way. Um, <laughs> guys, I'm going to talk to you about my favorite thing in the world, my new puppy, Queso. No, I'm going to talk to you guys about my good friend, TP. Are you down with TPP? I don't know what the last P stands for, but... I'm going to make an off-season wrap that's going to be like Thought of by Nature. It's going to be called Flavor by Nature with my good friends at Texas Pete. We've talked about this before, guys. Tailgating season's kind of over, if you want it to be. If you don't want it to be, I don't know. Why don't we get out there and do a little nail-gating, huh? Now, I know you're thinking, like, what do you mean, Chris? Going around the house, hanging up some pictures, doing some handiwork? No, manicures. Say you have to go get a manicure or a pedicure, getting your nails did. Wait, hold on, real quick. Have you ever gotten one? Yeah, I've gotten a, I've gotten a Manny Petty one time, and I, I'm gonna say this is gonna make me this is gonna lose me some street cred, but it was delightful. It was like a foot massage. They do the whole deal. Yeah, like it's actually pretty me. underrated. Yeah, I mean, I was anyway, like only 17. I'm with my mom. I feel like you probably did it last week. That's fine. I did it last year. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, anyway, so no, they uh, say you're going to get now. You now you've messed up my I'm dang sorry. ad. No, I'm kidding. Um, say you have to go get your nails did, okay? I I probably need to do that, okay? Very ashy in general. Need to go get a little pedicure. A little get, just, you know, primp, 
print myself a little bit, go to the Manny Petty place, have yourself a little snack, because you're there for like four hours of those people talking about you the whole time, you can't tell. Mm-hmm. So get yourself a little snack, bring some Texas Pete along with it. I don't know, whether it's chicken, whether it's potato salad, whatever. You can put Texas Pete on literally anything. I know I do. So get your Texas Pete. If you're, if you're having a little nail gating this off season, like I know I will, get yourself some Texas Pete. Go to your local store, get it. Go to texaspete.com slash tailgating for some recipes. There you go. I want to dig into this because we we hinted at this a, a touch when we were talking about some of the, the Heisman odds uh, earlier this week, and we'll we'll get into it a little bit more at the end. But this is a different kind of a different question that I want to throw out there. Right. I want to rank the high profile transfer QBs in terms of most likely to succeed. Now, I'm most glad we likely did top to succeed six instead of five. This is good. Yeah. Well, there there are six in there that I thought were worth including. Yeah. Um, and let's let's start with uh, Austin Kendall, who is going to be playing immediately at West Virginia. Was the subject of a big story in college football on Wednesday when we found out. I think it was Jake Trotter of ESPN who reported yeah. that Oklahoma was trying to block Austin Kendall from transferring to a school within the Big Twelve. And while they were doing that, of course, trying to recruit Jalen Hurts to come to Oklahoma. Well, and the so, five-star uh, freshman they have coming in that was, who was quoted as, no, Coach Riley told me they weren't, they weren't pursuing any grad transfer quarterbacks. And I was like, Yeah, oh, but okay. apparently he is, cool. he is cool with it. He tweeted okay. out something. Uh, so that's, that's going to work out just fine I would have loved to see Jay Billis just go off on this, but I'm glad it didn't. Go oh, ahead. he did. He did. Yeah. Jay, Jay Billis definitely tweeted out links about this, about how ridiculous this was. But Austin Kendall is indeed going to get to play for West Virginia. No longer a Dana Holgerson offense. It is now a Neil Brown offense. Neil Brown, who's that? Oh, that's the guy that beat LSU at LSU a couple years ago. And, oh, by the way, had a really good season this past year, yep. one at Nebraska. So... He's taking over a, a different kind of system. This isn't necessarily what we've seen from years past at West Virginia. But I put Austin Kendall on here because he's a guy that sat behind Baker Mayfield, sat behind Kyler Murray, and maybe there's a little bit of this Joe Burrow factor there where he comes right. in with a chip on his shoulder and becomes this kind of cult hero in college football. This is someone who, back in 2016, before that Ohio State game, I don't know if you remember this comment, but... He had this comment about how Ohio State has a very basic defense, and then Ohio State just dominated Why? Oklahoma yeah, in Norman. Yeah, like 45-24. Why was he? Why was the backup quarterback? I have no idea. And that was the biggest question mark going in. Was it was like a local news station, and all they could get was the backup quarterback. Yeah. And they're like, oh, the backup quarterback won't say anything. And then, of course, you know, basically gave the ultimate bulletin board material. So Austin Kendall, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make the the Joe Burrow uh, comp in terms of on-the-field stuff, but maybe he's going to be one of those guys that ends up being really fun to watch, maybe a Gardner Minshew-type guy in terms of the the mindset that he comes on with. So that's why I wanted to throw him out out there on the list. (laughs) I think he has Heisman odds, too. I think he's got like 25-1 to Heisman odds. I'd say on a side note with this whole thing, with Neil Brown going to to West Virginia, the one thing I'm excited about this for, and not just for this kid, is he's going to bring a little defense. A little bit. And I like that. I like that. All right, not a place where there's any defense to be played. That's in the uh, American Conference. Um, Number five on my list is Brandon Wimbush, who kind of lost in the shuffle of this this wild week of grad transfer quarterbacks. Uh, He's going to UCF. Who? He is Brandon Wimbush, former former Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, University of Central Florida, but oh, they I go forgot by. They still had a football program after yeah, that, that by, Fiesta Bowl. All right, yeah. All right. Um, so, the former Notre Dame quarterback who lost his job to Ian Book, who apparently 
is better than Trevor Lawrence, according to you and our good friend Luke Del Rio. Oh, yeah, you um, nailed that one. That was good. I did. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> so Brandon Wimbush is going to get a chance to play for UCF in 2019 because the expectation is that Mackenzie Milton is still likely to be out a very, seri- very serious leg injury that uh, we're expecting him to sideline yeah. uh, him throughout the 2019 season just because of how late it happened and how serious that was. But uh, real quick, I mean, you get to play against AAC competition and you get to play in Josh Heupel's offense. That, to me, is, is a good combination. Brandon Wimbush, somebody who struggled with his accuracy very much at Notre Dame and ultimately lost his job, is going to have a chance to succeed and, and do some good things in yeah. that offense down in Orlando. Did they not bring Mac uh, back, that other kid? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think they're going to, but he's only a redshirt freshman, so you got a couple more years with him. He kind of gets to be the backup. I mean, he was a he's a three star recruit back in the day, so I, I'm I don't so know. I'm so pissed I, if I I know how bad he looked against LSU and their third team defense, rubbing that in. But I'd be pissed if I came in in the in the American Athletic Conference Championship game against Memphis and had this huge comeback, score like six touchdowns, and be like, all right, hey Mac, appreciate it. Guess what, bud? Third string. That's just what it is, though. That's just what it is when it comes to, to yeah. quarterbacks in college football. Take our number four on this list, Tate Martell, a guy who has been now on both sides Tate of him. the transfer transfer portal. Don't don't make that. I he, that's what, what he say. came out. His name is Tathan. He should be granted oh, a hardship Tathan. waiver immediately because his name is Tathan. He is trying to get a hardship waiver. Apparently, he is lawyering up because his excuse, not excuse, but his reason for why he should be granted immediate eligibility in 2019 is that Ryan Day came in and took over for Urban Meyer, and it was a coaching change. And I actually, like, I see a little, I'm not saying that that this is, like, a fair reason to be allowed to, to have immediate eligibility in this current system, but... Ryan Day goes out and gets Justin Fields and basically says, oh, Tate Martell, uh, you don't fit in this system at all. We throw the ball a ton in this system, and that's he, not he, necessarily your bread and butter. People give him credit for but yeah, I agree. He is. Also, Tathan, Tathan, stop, stop, stop on Twitter. Stop on Twitter. He deletes all of his tweets anyway. Does he so, really? Yeah, he deletes all of them. Go back, go and try and look up some old Tate Martell tweets. But this, So consider this, and this kind of just speaks to what this, this transfer quarterback market has become. Tate Martell, and I understand he's a little bit of a different case. He was a very high-profile recruit, a very uh, highly scrutinized recruit as well, much of which was his own doing. He is now either committed to or played for four schools in the Power Five conferences. So four different Power Five conferences. You had Washington early on. You had Texas A&M. guys. Conferences. (laughs) Conferences. That's ridiculous. And then Ohio State and now Miami in the ACC. Big 12 is like, hey, can't get you to come to the Big 12. He should have gone to UCF. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, but, you know, he gets now to play in Dan Enos' system. Yeah. We talked about the appeal of that for, for Jalen Hurts. This is a former National Gatorade Player of the Year, and if he's not able to play in 2019, which there's a possibility that he will be able to just because that's the way things work now. Right. Um, you're talking about somebody who's not going to get to play as a starter until 2020. This guy won Gatorade Player of the Year in 2016. Yeah. That's nuts. They grew up so fast. Um, I mean, it's what, two things about this. Your boy John, I should know his name, the guy from Feinbaum. Oh, John Hayes. Yeah, so he Producer. actually said the other day on Twitter, um, which is where I get all my news, of course, he said that he thinks he, or he would he would grant a hardship waiver to Tate Martell before Justin Fields. So just I don't really have an opinion on that, just an interesting take from that guy. 
What I you Shout already out. heard my my opinion on him because if his name's Tathan, yeah, you, you just I don't. It's amazing to me that he popped off of the mouth so much, not just on social media, but also like yeah. in the actual media in interviews. Like I don't give a blank about that guy. Like, and then right. like as soon as he gets in, they're like I'm leaving. Um, also, it's I'm glad we can continue this tradition, even if he's leaving. The the sentence you said of you know somebody from Ohio State in quotes, lawyering up. It's just, that's good to have each season. Like, so it's right. tale as old as time, tradition unlike any other. Way to go, Tathan. Ask, uh, ask good old Nick Starkle how he feels, our good friend Nick Starkle, how he feels about Tate Martell. Uh, that's a different story He's maybe a for, for a Belie- different time. He's a fan, so I don't... Yeah, um, but Tate Martell... Go ahead. <laughs> Tate Martell has some potential to succeed in that offense. He's going to get a chance to throw, and go figure, you know, he's going to a situation that has Malik Rozier already, who struggled mightily the last year and a half, and I would not expect him to be the starter if Tate Martell is indeed granted that yeah. immediate eligibility in 2019. Number three, let's get back to the SEC. Kelly Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Our guy Adam Spencer is going to be happy with this. He's probably going to say that Kelly Bryant should be number one on this list, but he's not. You get to play in Derek Dooley's offense. Okay, you get Albert O coming back. You also get three of your top four pass catchers coming back. Just so not Emmanuel Hall. Oh, yeah. You already have it. Just not Emmanuel Hall. And here's the thing with Kelly Bryant. I said the jury's still out on his ability to be this downfield thrower. Yeah. That He's not going to be the downfield thrower that Drew Locke was. And I don't expect no. him to put up those type of numbers. But... Think about this. This is somebody who comes into his college career and he has to replace Deshaun Watson, a once-in-a-generation yeah. quarterback. And then, you know, obviously, you know, as the the starter in 2017, he leads them to they were the number one they were the number one seed and they get into the semifinal game and they lose obviously to Bama. And then in 2018, he's got Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall Jesus. recruit, looking over his shoulder the entire time. And you know, you got to give Dabo Sweeney credit for giving him the ability to to preserve that final year of eligibility, yeah. and ultimately he ends up at Mizzou. But just in terms of not having to worry about that, and just saying to yourself, "I got one year, and I'm not going to have to worry about somebody looking over my shoulder. I'm going to get a, a guy who runs a, a system that can be played at the next level, and I feel good about kind of where I am and the guys around me. And he's going to get a fresh start, and I like that for Kelly Bryant. I like what he's going to be able to do potentially in 2019. Yeah, and I think also like it. It sucks. I would love to see what he would have been able to do with somebody like Emmanuel Hall and the deep threat. I would love to see Emmanuel Hall just get a full season after the ups and downs he had to face this year. Regardless, I mean, Kelly Bryant is, is a really good passer between zero and eight yards. We've looked at some of the pro football focus things. Yeah. And, and I'm not, that's not like a slight at him. I'm not being sarcastic. He's a really, really good quarterback. And you talk about the Deshaun Watson thing. He's a better runner than Deshaun Watson. He has the ability to put up a lot of a lot of yards and and do a, a lot of damage I think in this offense especially so I, I think it's a great fit I'm excited for him and good for him for going to not go get his money but like don't get overlooked or you know kind of like left in the what's the word I'm looking for left by the wayside left in the weeds no nah, well yeah, either left way by left by the weed side um <laughs> by by letting somebody like Trevor Lawrence come in who was ended up being a better quarterback um and you know taking your job Real quick with Kelly Bryant, as we know with Derek Dooley, he likes his quarterback runs. Too soon? I don't get it. The final play that Drew Locke ran uh, in the end of the... Oh, Liberty my God. Bowl. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good point. yeah. I think Kelly Bryant will do that play a little bit better. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Way too soon. Number two. This is going to surprise you, but let me explain this. Why is this going to surprise me? 
This isn't caught in the moment, I promise. Oh, God. I have Justin Fields at number two on this list and not at number one, and here's why. We've already talked about the potential benefits of Justin Fields playing in Ryan Day's offense, the fact that Dwayne Haskins just had the best season ever for a Big Ten quarterback, and what he was able to do for the Buckeyes. You feel really good about Justin Fields with a combination of potential. He's going to have those throwing right. opportunities, and assuming he's able to get immediate eligibility, you like what he's going to be able to do, but here's the risk. We're still waiting to see what he can do as a passer at this level. We're still waiting to see if he's going to be able to read coverages, pick up blitzes, and do so at high speed immediately right away, big-time competition. This is still a new offense for him, and Ohio State lost three of their top four receivers. So I say that just because there is some risk there. And when we compare him to Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, is number one, spoiler alert, he doesn't have that same kind of experience. Now, is Justin Fields ceiling higher than Jalen Hurts? Yes, in my opinion. You better botch your I, I, I think it is. I, I, I think it is, and that's yeah. why we said the other day that we like we like Justin Fields' Heisman odds at 12-1, to 1, and we think that that's appealing. But just in terms of this is most likely to succeed, and that's why I would give Jalen Hurts the edge over Justin Fields, somebody who is yet to start a college game yeah. and is still a little bit of a mystery in terms of what he's going to be as a regular passer, given how many times he's going to be asked to throw in that system. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't know if anybody will have the kind of accuracy that Haskins had this past year. Incredibly accurate. Incredibly accurate. Uh, he has a better arm. He's got he's got more arm strength. Mm-hmm. I think he is a better runner than people will give him credit for, as long as it's not 4th and 11 or in punt formation. Um, too soon. I mean, that's no, it's not. It's not too soon because luckily that's only the second worst fake, fake uh, call we've heard all, or saw all season. I think Justin Fields has a ten, like a, the potential to be great. There are two passes that have stuck out in my mind, probably more so in terms of in terms of arm talent. More so, two of the top three passes I think I've seen in college football over the past three years: the Trevor Lawrence throw that was like sixty-one miles an hour to Georgia Tech, the throw that Justin Fields had against UMass, and I know it's UMass, but from the left hash all the way down to, I think it was just Mikkel Hardman, it was across the field, like on a, just a go route. That is one of the stronger throws I've ever seen outside of the Jacob Eason one against Tennessee that happened right before right. The, the Hail Mary. So, and, and also, side note, I think that we did a disservice by leaving him off here, even though he didn't transfer this year. He didn't transfer this year, I that's why. He's, I, that he, I think he's also going to be able to put up um, – a lot of good numbers in that offense, especially with his with, with Peterson as his coach. I agree. So real quick, just on Jalen Hurts at number one, as why he is my most likely to succeed of this group. So we've already seen him for three years. Yeah. You can talk about the 26-2 and two record and all that. But it, I go back to, to what he did this year as a passer and what we saw from him working with Dan Enos. This is somebody who I know, I know this was limited action and he didn't have a start this year. But look at look at his numbers at season's end. He completed seventy three of his seventy three percent of his passes for ten point nine yards per attempt. And the big thing that the big knock on him in twenty seventeen in Brian Dable's system was that he was Calvin Ridley or tuck it and run. And he was. And in twenty eighteen, he wasn't that guy because we saw that we saw that in the SEC championship, and we saw his ability to keep his eyes downfield. And that to me shows that he has really developed as a passer, and I'm fascinated to see what he's going to do in this Oklahoma offense that we're going to get to this in some of the over-unders later, but Lincoln Riley just, 
the floor for what those those guys do in that offense with the amount of weapons that they have is just so high. And I would bet on Jalen Hurts having that, you know, you know he's going to succeed. It, it's just a matter of how successful is he going to be. I mean, as long as he is not too tall for that offense, I think he is going to have a really, really good good career there. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, and we talk about like the passing, it's one thing that is... Unno- I think it's kind of like gone unnoticed just because he didn't have as many attempts was the fact that when he came in against Georgia, we'll talk about it in a minute when I do the top five moments. When he came in against Georgia, it wasn't just the fact that his accuracy was so much better. It's when he was able to do it. And you talk about in the past where he was a one-target guy, like just throwing the ball up to Calvin Ridley. You know, when he came in against Georgia, especially, it was second down. They, You know they're going to run the ball, hit the first play. And they, go, they went for a loss. It's like the Najee. It was like a, so I think it was like third and 12, third and 13. His his accuracy and his decision making on third down especially was so impressive, and especially in plays it was like is he he's definitely gonna tuck this he's gonna run I mean, so I, I thought I think he's got a, a chance to be really successful there as a quitter. Let's get to that's perfect segue into your top five Jalen Hurts moments at Alabama SEC championship uh, it made the list spoiler yeah. alert um, start us off so here here are my top five moments from Jalen Hurts. One, the day he was born, that was like a big, I think that's one we'd all look at right now and say, like, thank God for Jalen. Um, no, so I would say here's my top five moments for Jalen. Just me personally. Um, number two is going to hurt, Connor. You might want to earmuff it. So number five, Media Day, Alabama Media Day, August. I put 2016. I meant 2018. Um, 2018, when he came out, I was like, nobody asked me, and just received the onslaught of ignorance on social media from Bama fans, trashing him about how he was being a baby and he just wants, you know, he's entitled and he's a millennial and he just wants to start and have everything handed to him. Nope. Nope. Guess who was wrong? All y'all. All y'all. I thought that was really impressive that he was able to say that, receive the kind of backlash he received from it, and still weather the storm because that's the kind of character he is. He's a great kid. He's a great kid. And- and go figure, you know, as I, as I brought up in the column that I wrote about this, I you could look back at that moment and say that he went about that in the in the, the best way possible and it, like an adult. And he was basically saying to the Alabama coaches, like, why didn't you just treat me like an adult? Why did you yeah. try and treat me like a kid who you couldn't tell the, the, the hard stuff to? I just wanted to be sat down at a table and communicated with yeah. and say, like, hey, this is, this is how things are going to be. And then he ends that availability by saying, but, like, why would I transfer? I'm 15 hours away from from transferring. Right. That makes no sense. Everything so, he said like, was logical. An adult, yeah. Everything he said was logical, and and even you know myself included, the reactions to it, you know, we, we got it wrong, and we kind of read a little bit too much so into some we. of those comments. But uh, you as well. Come what on, did you, I say? Part of it. I don't know. No, I, I remember being in the car, and I was like, "This is unbelievable," because it was you immediately saw the Bama fans turn on him, and I was like, you guys are so... I wanted him to start game one because of it. And I was like, probably a little bit too much like entrenched in that mindset because I was like, screw all these Bama fans that keep freaking out about this and how he's he's entitled, blah, blah. I, I, anyway, moving on. Number four, Missouri. The Missouri game, 2018. Now, I was at this game. The reason why I, I put this on here, he didn't have a huge impact in that game. However... This is when he came on the field as a receiver. Late in like the second, I want to say it's like the second quarter. Um, Jalen Hurts came in the game as a receiver. 
And it was like, what? They have Jalen and Tua on the field at the same time. It's the first time they've done it all season. And they threw a pass to him. And he caught it. It was the best eight-yard completion I have ever seen in the history of college football. <laughs> I remember like looking at my buddy, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was like the same part of like, like uh, Rudy when his dad goes into the stadium. He's like, this is the most beautiful Beautiful thing his eyes have ever seen. He's like, all right, Dad, let's go to the seats. Let's go to the seats. That was my reaction. I was like, did you see that? I was like, Chris, it's an eight-yard dig route. Shut up. Uh, number three, I had this at number Wait, two. Real early. quick, yeah. real quick, at number at number four, I remember right after that, I did a story on, like, the top five plays that Bama should run with Jalen yeah. and Tua on the field together. Good, man. That whole prisoner of the moment thing worked out well. Um, oh, it was great. Now, so the number three, <coughs> excuse me, guys, um, number three, I put this on here, and I will be the first to admit I misremembered the blank out of this game. Tennessee, 2016. He's a true freshman. They go on the road. Tennessee had come off. I think they had just lost to A&M, but I think they were still ranked, in quotes, like in the top 10. It was at well, they, they were Yeah, they got off to such a great start that year, too. They did, did they, though? Because they barely uh, but, beat App State. Was, yeah, they true. did. They were undefeated until that. And that was a double overtime loss at A&M. They still had Josh Dobbs, all that good stuff. They ran into an absolute buzzsaw. And this is a game where I, I know um, Eddie Jackson like returned a punt for a touchdown. Ronnie, what's his name, Harrison had an intercept return for a touchdown. So they it scored in all three phases. But what stood out the most was Jalen came on a designed quarterback run off the right tackle. And, and he had one long one that he broke for like a very, I think it was like 40, 50 yards. He outrated by the field. But he had another one where he came in the end zone and just gave this like little you kidding me? Like, seriously? Y'all were doubting me? Like, y'all thought Tennessee was going to beat me? And just gave this, like, kind of mean mug into the camera. It became a gif. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, so that was one of my favorite moments. He had over 100 yards rushing. It was like, that was the first time I remember watching, like, oh, my gosh, Bama's never had a quarterback like this that can run and throw. And then we found out he couldn't throw. Um, number two, put some salt in this wound, Connor. This is before you were a Mississippi State fan. So it can't hurt I'm that not, much. I'm a Joe Moorhead believer before I, I – I don't claim to be a Mississippi State fan. I yeah. claim to be a Joe Moorhead supporter and believer. You're, yeah, okay. So anyway, regardless. Um, so Mississippi State, 2017, the stats aren't great. Like I think he was 10 of 19 for the whole game. But he had the quote where he, they, were, they were tied late in the game. They were losing for most of the game. Is in Starkville. Because as you've said so many times, nobody goes into Stark Vegas and comes out unscathed. We get that. Um, it's a late Saturday night game. I think it's like the second last game for the end of the season. So Bama kind of came out in a, a lull, and he ended up on the last drive. He looked bad most of the night and came out on the last drive, went 4-4, hit Devonta Smith for a, a touchdown with like, 30 seconds to go. They have a big come-from-behind win. And I remember him, you know, coming out. I was like, you know, I told them, I'm driving a bus. Y'all get on the bus. And they did. That was a metaphorical bus, but still, it was pretty cool. Then they lost two weeks later to Auburn badly. Regardless, number one, you were there for it. I reread the article you wrote uh, about, oh about the game, and I watched the fourth quarter this morning. It was a fantastic memory. It's when Jalen re-won all of the Bama fans back over by beating Georgia in the SC Championship game. And that'll be the that's about five minutes of me just going off about how great Jalen Hurts was in his career. Still going to be the most underappreciated and underrated player in Bama history. Um, not enough, I think, has been made about what he's able to do for that program. So way to go, Bama fans. You that- ran him off. That SEC championship, nah, he didn't. No, no, he, he, I mean, it was, it's, a, it's the right move. The situation. 
Brandon Ball. Yeah. Um, I remember in that SEC championship too, the moment that he goes down, or that Tua goes down in that game, and the crowd goes from very, very quickly. I've never seen this happen before, where Tua is still down on the field. Yeah. And I, at the time, it, it felt you could interpret it as insensitive because you have a player who's down on the field, but the crowd just starts chanting, Jalen, Jalen. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is a, you have your Heisman finalist quarterback on the turf, yeah. and you're chanting for your backup quarterback, but in a way, it was almost like they wanted this to happen, and they're like, they're trying to egg him on to, to, to get this unbelievable moment, and then sure enough, that's that's what happened. So it was just one of the, the stranger things that, that I've seen, because a player of Tua's caliber, yeah. to see him go down, usually that's the ultimate gasp, take the air out of the place type thing, but it just wasn't that day. Yeah. And as we find out, I guess, you know, in a way, with good reason. Jalen finished his career with all of these numbers. Um, ben Jones uh, threw this out there on Twitter. First in Alabama history in quarterback rushing yards. First in quarterback rushing touchdowns. Second in total touchdowns. Third in passing touchdowns. Third in offensive yards. Third in interception percentage. I mean, the numbers go on and on and on. And it is a testament to just how good he was in an Alabama uniform. We, we've talked about it a lot. And I know that people are, you know, we've definitely given, given Jalen his due. So yeah. this is not a place that is, has lacked that. One more thing before we close out today. I want to do some over-unders yeah. on, on what he could potentially do next year in his one season in Norman. And this is a, a fascinating discussion because you got to kind of balance the Oklahoma offense with what Jalen has done in his career yeah. at Alabama and try and find out where, where, where is he going to come closer to. So, touchdown passes. I set the over-under at 35. How many did Kyler have this year? 42, 43? 43. So every under. quarterback in the last four years at Oklahoma has thrown for at least 37 <clears throat> touchdown yeah, passes. under. I don't think he's going to be having – I mean, here's, and here's why. Even if you have 35, for the season as a whole, you're talking about three per game. You're talking – nah, it's, 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 it actually breaks down to two and a half per game because if you're the, playing 14 games like they will because if they go to a conference championship and then play in a bowl game, that's Oh, you mean – okay, so, yeah, either way I still say under. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think touchdown rushes is a fascinating one yeah. too because Baker and Kyler were different in terms of in terms of runners. Baker was more of a scramble to get open. He wasn't a scramble to run yeah. for for touchdowns whereas Kyler did that more so. So it's a little bit tougher to judge this. And Jalen is going to we think he's going to be passing more in this offense than he and then, you know, typical like what he did his freshman year where yeah. he had 13 rushing touchdowns at Alabama. So I set the over under for touchdown rushes at 8. Over. I would be shocked if he has less than double-digit touchdown rushes next year. Okay. Yeah. Right. Don't let me down marks? on that, Jalen. I got a lot of money riding on that. <laughs> these, are, these, By the way, these are my over-unders. Yeah. If my bookie, our good friends over at my bookie, want to take this, I'd be happy to sell them for a certain price. Passing yards. I set the over-under at 3,500. Keep in mind that we're talking about a... Uh, an Oklahoma offense that has yielded 4,000-yard passers the last two seasons. They yeah. have thrown for at least, I think they've thrown for at least 3,700 yards the last four seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Jalen, the most passing yards he's ever had in season was his freshman year with Lane Kiffin where he had 2,780. So 3,500 passing yards. I know it sounds like a lot, but keep in mind, 14 games we're talking about potentially 
Over under, what are you taking? Under. And the reason why is this. At some point, I, I think he'll end up having this at some point. But at some point, you got to have a 300-yard passing game if you're going to be throwing for that kind of, that kind of yardage. Do you know how many 300-yard passing games Jalen has in his entire career? Two? Uh, one. One. Wow. Against Mississippi State, bro. Want to rub that in. No, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's definitely doable in this offense. And, and like, these are also very good numbers because of the fact that, like you said, like, these are, it's a good mix of what he's been able to do and also what Oklahoma's offense has put up consistently, especially under Lincoln Riley and these past two guys. I, it's, it's weird to have, like, they don't have, like, a mold they're, they're putting out there in terms of, like, it's not a, like, I say system quarterback, but, like, Baker and Kyler, as much as they seem similar, they're so different. They're very different. And Jalen's somewhere, yeah. I think, in between there, maybe, in terms of, like, the passing accuracy. It's not, it's not obviously, up to like where Baker was. Um, but he's not as good of a rusher, maybe, as Toad. I mean, as uh, Kyler Murray was. Like, it's good. As Toad. Um, but, no, so I think <laughs> I think he's going to put up great numbers in this offense. That just seems like a lot. Like, I just, so. He's going to throw about 500 yards in the first game, isn't he? Yeah, watch, watch. Definitely will. Um, and, and kind of a pretty favorable schedule, too. They have yeah. UCLA in non-conference play, so uh, oh, something yeah. to remember as well. But at UCLA, um, dude, nobody, nobody goes, goes into that L.A. And, yeah, they're going to have like 15,000 people at that yeah. stadium. Um, all right, how about over-under playoff victories? Not playoff appearances or playoff games played. Playoff victories. The over-under is an obvious one. It's .5. Three. Oh. Um, <laughs> Jalen's going to win the Super Bowl, y'all. Now, I, I'm going to say under. I don't think they make the playoffs, um, which sounds dumb. But the reason why is because I know that they've they've had – it's very early, too. What's today, January 17th? Something like that. Yeah. Sure, why not? Um, no, I mean, I, I just think that they've, they've won the, the Big 12 for three straight years. Uh, or, I'm sorry, five straight years. I don't think that happens necessarily next year. It could. But say it. Say it. Texas. Say it. I know what you're going to say. Texas is back, baby. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't know if they get, even if they get to the playoffs, they haven't had the best stretch uh, run in winning a playoff game. So I'm going to say under. I would, I would agree with you on that last one. I think it's tough so. to see them, given, given the fact that, you know, you, you've had these Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. Yeah the last two years, and you still haven't won a playoff game. As much as we talk about Lincoln Riley's success, that is maybe the one the one knock is that you've had these two Heisman right. Heisman winners, and your defense has been such you know. You get to the playoffs, such and you run into a buzzsaw. Like, you thought SEC teams were tough? Go play Clemson, dude. Have fun with that. Let's close things out. Um, appreciate everybody listening. We weren't sure if we were going to do – if we were going to be able to do a podcast <coughs> today. I know I'd kind of thrown yeah. out the – the, the little bit of like an open-ended date for when our next pod was going to be, but when this Jalen stuff came came out on Wednesday, we knew that we wanted to to talk about it, hit on a lot of different different things. This offseason has already been really interesting, and I'm I'm fascinated to see where this thing is going to go, uh, how many storylines like this we're going to get. I just have this weird feeling too that there's going to be some big coaching surprise in the offseason. There always is at least one yeah. big coaching thing that makes massive headlines you know urban meyer last year hugh freeze the year before that we just you just never know so i'll give you one we'll right now emergency hot take you ready for this yes coach o peds say it ain't so coach o on steroids dude which well, you, you don't get suspended for that like let's do that let's do that <laughs> 
You, said, you saw the video. Yeah, of course. You tweeted yeah. out the video. Of, yeah. The guy with the horse. That's an old <laughs> video, too. I was just like, I got I to gotta put this back out there. But, uh, but no, it, will, it's, it should be an interesting offseason. And I, I think for the next podcast, I know this was, again, let's be clear about what this was. This was about Jalen. This wasn't supposed to be our typical yes. SEC podcast. So for any of you that get upset, just understand this was specifically yes. about the transfer quarterbacks and Jalen especially. Um, that being said, I'm going to go learn about basketball. And yeah, yeah, we got to do that. I know. We got to do that soon. Got to start paying attention to basketball. Tennessee's still really good. They're, that's they were, that's what I know. They one now, like in, in one in one poll. I don't know what poll it was. I, I glossed over it. But regardless, they're really good. Maybe we'll have our good buddy uh, Adam Spencer on yeah. sometime soon to basically give us like a crash course of, hey, we've been paying attention to football yeah. for the last three months. Tell us what we've missed. Well, I mean, uh, also, we, we don't do have the Winter soon. Olympics to distract us this year. So I think that'll really, really help us. Great point. Um, but Great also, point. Yeah, Adam's also a fellow Corgi owner. Give it the program, dude. This is true. This is true. There you go. I, I, I apparently need to get a Corgi to be one of the cool kids. Yeah. Um, make sure that you are following us on social media. You'll get all sorts of pictures of Queso, the new Corgi oh, in yeah. the SDS podcast family. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at the SDS pod, at SDS at CJ O'Gara. Follow us on Instagram, at Saturday Down South. Follow us on all things social media, at SDS. Um, Facebook Live Monday, Monday night, and what time is that? Eight thirty. Eight thirty, Eastern time. So you will you won't see it until the summer. Doing doing that in the middle of the Bachelor. Wow, yeah, surprising. it's tough to go up Bold against move. Colton. He's such a bold move. So I got to tell you this too, real quick about the Bachelor. Just I should probably tell you off air, but I don't care. One of my friends texted me the day after, and she was like, "I hate Colton so much, but I do want to start a drinking game about how to take a drink every time somebody says Colton's a virgin." And I was like, "Connor brought it up the other day." She was like, a man brought I'm, that up? And I was like, yeah, that's what oh we yeah. do. That's what we do. I'm ahead of the curve when it comes to takes. I think we can five. all agree on that. Well, Air high that's, five that's that something. For sure. I, I swear to God, if Mississippi State wins the <laughs> national championship next year, I'll quit this podcast. Regardless, let's sign off with our good friend, Coach O. You going to bring him in here? Coach? I miss you, Jayla. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week.